0: season's greetings, Mrs. Claus here. My better half and his army of elves are getting ready to hit the home stretch on this season's work. And while bringing joy to little boys and girls everywhere warms their hearts, the best part of this whole shebang for them is listening to pop-up film casts 12 days of pop-up. Every weekday between December 9th and Christmas Eve, Keith and Derek put smiles on elf ears and make hubby's belly jiggle like a bowl full of jelly, there will be 12 guests talking about a dozen movies from the same number of genres. Each with more holiday flair than a bottomless box of fate-supplied movies full of magical reindeer poop. Seriously, whatever they feed them to make them fly really does a number on their tummies. Anywho, make sure to check out the pop-up film cast's 12 days of pop-up, starting Thursday, December 9th. And not to seem threatening, but those who don't get put on the naughty list, I'm Mrs. Claus. I can make that happen.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude,
2: and I'm the dad. And I'm Austin Rude, I'm the son. Every week we watch a movie, and then we get on mic and we talk about it indeed we do been a couple weeks off it has been um a vacation from having to listen to you wow i'm just kidding wow wow i know that's what you give thanks
1: for this year <laughs> that's right that you Thankful did not have for to silence you did not have to talk to me wow that thank you austin that warms my black little heart deep in my oh. Empty, empty chest. Your little Grinch heart is shrunk it, three it times shrunk that three day. sizes. Wow, well, that was mean. Sorry. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I was not ready for that. I'm not, I I can't lie. I, I want to roll with
2: that. I want to yes and you. Uh, I can't. You completely blindsided me. I, I'm sorry. I got an email that this was the Phil Rude roast episode. Uh, no, I that's uh, next week. Call? Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. Well, we'll just have to edit that out. You'll know,
1: you'll know when great comedians like uh, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart start showing up. And, uh, you know, all the That's people right. who are on roasts for some reason.
2: Phil, you so crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, before we get into what we have been watching uh, and be- our movie for the week, uh, I do want to shout out you and I did a guest spot on another podcast. We were on Zeng This. We were. Talking about our favorite movie of the year, I think it's safe to say. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty uh, basic uh, overview um, that just consists of us kind of highlights that we enjoyed from the film, and the rest of it is us stopping Zenger from spoiling everything that is going to come in the second movie. Yeah. Um,
2: because, you know, <laughs> because book fans, because
1: the, the one guy on the panel who read the book could not uh, uh, stop himself from trying to spoil everything for us, and that's uh, what
2: makes it so fun. It was a lot of fun, so it was great. a lot
1: of fun to, to watch him uh, uh, get right as close as he could to dropping a spoiler and then have to walk him back and settle <laughs> everything back down. It was, uh, but it, it's a really fun episode, Ellie Berg. Uh, Zanger, they're always, like, great hosts. I love going on and hanging out with them. And I had a really good time talking about this movie that you and I can't stop freaking talking about. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah.
2: And, I mean, no hate, but the last time I was on there, it was the Meg. They do, so... yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Zenger <laughs> likes to torture me, uh, but every once in a while, he, he throws me something good to watch. So, it's... And
2: it was a really fun time. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, it was good. Check that out. It's on the Zeng This podcast feeds uh wherever you get podcasts but um yeah it's easy to find it's been out for a couple weeks but it's it's really fun uh and they're just great people that i i love hanging out with definitely um outside of dune and re-watching dune and talking about dune uh what have we been up to what have you been watching
2: i know nothing
1: but dune no it's uh, all dune all the time
2: <laughs> that's it i'm a spice i see hang. all
1: of time and it is
2: just full of nothing but me watching Dune. I became the watcher, actually, from, <laughs> yeah, Marvel, from Marvel Comics. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, this week, uh, in between rewatches of Dune, I managed <laughs> to fit in a few episodes of a miniseries Netflix made. It's called The Maid. And it They made the Maid. They made the Maid. Uh it's fascinating. Hmm. Uh, it really is a gripping drama. Um, it portrays real life and you know like there's a there's a whole section of dramas recently like with uh this is us and all like that are trying to really like capture like what real life is kind of like yeah. and like those soft moments it's like that <clears throat> it's the story of a woman trying to support herself after uh she leaves her abusive boyfriend and she has never had a job or she okay. needs to take care of her kids. So it's like <clears throat> all this stuff that kind of like people have to deal with on a daily right. basis. It's a, it's a character story. Right. Those are the words I'm looking for. Uh, And it's really good. And it's called The Maid. That's
1: M-A-I-D. Yes. Not to be confused with John Favreau's Maid, which is about like low-level mob wannabes. Uh, late 90s early 2000s movie. yeah if you
2: watch that instead uh, yeah you might you, you're
1: gonna be very confused. confused like i don't this isn't good or funny yeah like um <laughs> the made the on netflix i um i think it was red letter media has was talking in the last couple of years talking about how netflix it like theaters are all blockbuster now that's the only thing that people go to theaters for Right, it's Marvel a big movies, franchises. big franchises, IP, and that Netflix and these streaming services are the home of what they call it like the, the average, the mid-level movie, mid-budget movie. This idea of like grown-up movies, basically. I've heard like Mark Maron calls them grown-up movies, like okay. a drama that is made for grown-ups, for people who want to see a film, not not people who don't want to see explosions. It's not a judgment on that, but like. Right. This other, this section of like adult dramas, things like Marriage Story, and uh, uh, I would put like Promising Young Woman in that category of of these sort of, they're not big budget, they're almost like independent movies, but they are made by a studio, you know what I mean? And this, this is where the streaming services are winning, because they're having these really sort of compelling movies- And they have them on their platforms and people just don't go to theaters to see them anymore.
2: And I think that makes sense as much as I love movie theaters. I think, I think the reason for that, like there's so much action movies in theaters. And I think that's because people go there to see the explosions, like with the good sound and the big screen. Exactly. What promising young woman, I wanted to see that movie so badly And I still do, but, like, I didn't go to the theater to right. see it
1: because... You don't need to go to the IMAX showing of Promising Young Woman to see, right. like, this, this kind of uh, sad woman, you know, who's been traumatized and just watching her go through, right. <laughs> trying to figure out how to uh, take control back. But, yeah, like... I, you,
2: I, I don't need to see that as big as a skyscraper right. you, in my You view. can
1: watch that at home and get the same experience, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it is interesting because it is kind of like uh, streaming services are coming out with just sort of their own movies and their own series that are completely different than the theater experience.
2: Right. And they're also trying to, I've noticed, like, get as many, like, people as they can, like demographics. They're like, there are no, it used to be. TV shows are trying to be like the big thing. They're trying to be The Walking Dead. They're trying to be mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. And now instead they're trying to be like these niche little shows that so we can attract the old people, and the young people, and everyone who wants every little bit of thing I th- to the streaming service. I
1: think that's a lot like uh, what basic cable shows have been doing for 10 plus years. Mad Men, Breaking Bad. Those are niche niche shows demographically yes they skew towards like white men um mm-hmm. but uh i i think there's more diversity across the board in cable and on streaming so streaming is really just like an extension of of cable of like basic cable the big net but they're not like you're right they're not like the big network shows like uh CSI or big bang theory that are just meant to have the broadest appeal and bring in the biggest chunk of audience and you know it's all very concentrated right and none of that stuff is very good like exactly it, that's, it, it's, the, yeah
2: that's why the streaming services have shows like the boys and right. the great on hulu oh yeah, like, yeah really yeah. good like these good shows because they're not trying to get everyone. right
1: they're taking chances and they're saying this is what we are and if we're for you you know sit down and enjoy and if not Go. There's something for you here. Like go, find, you know, go for find everyone. it. Yeah, that's we're um, all getting what we want. Yeah,
2: I I think it's it's an interesting time. Yeah. Uh, but I've noticed you watching TV a lot lately. Um, Is there something you've been watching this week, or you I've just I, watching? I've
1: caught up with uh, Succession on HBO. Um, which means I have watched all the back episodes and I am caught up to current, and now I have to wait week to week. Well, annoying I know I I got so into like watching a couple episodes at a time I didn't time it right I thought mm. season 3 would be done by the time I caught up to it and nope nope but um yeah I'm caught up there so I'm waiting week to week I'm enjoying that very much and um uh oh get back that's the other one uh the Beatles documentary on Disney Plus you don't need to hear me ramble about it um because everybody's talking about it it's great i've o- i've only watched the first part and that was an hour and a half you know so like i'm yeah. kind of spacing I, it out i'm i am enjoying it though
2: i i don't know i'm just not interested i've i i feel like the beatles were always way better at music than making documentaries you But know, i and I didn't I expect them cup tea. I didn't
1: expect them to come out to uh have this hidden documentary they made about British Parliament but um <laughs> it's really fascinating. The Planet Earth
2: makes yeah. them up that's <laughs> crazy.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, but uh yeah, if uh just quick overview, if you don't know it is them writing and uh recording uh the Let It Be album. And so it's Basically just the cameras just rolled while they were figuring it out and watching conflicts happen as George writes the best songs the Beatles ever recorded and all the other Beatles just shut him down constantly. But um, you know, uh uh Oh, it's just like any other group project, <laughs> anyone's <been. laughs> it, it, it is kinda like watching a big school project. It's very interesting. If you are a Beatles fan, check it out. Or if you like uh if you like seeing the creative process, I, I think of. that's what I really am enjoying about it. It's, it's very cool to watch, watch it happen, but yeah, it's, people are talking about it all over Twitter, all over social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I have anything to say about it that isn't already being said, but uh, enjoy it if it's your cup of.
2: and if not, just let it be, man. Let it be. Well played. Thank you. Well played, sir. Also, YouTube, the, um, check out the
1: Sesame Street parody, Letter Letterbee. <laughs> by, by the Beatles. It's great.
2: All right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, wait, the Beatles sang that, like, on Sesame Street? No,
1: it's a parody group of little puppet Beatles, like the Bugs. Oh my Singing gosh. a parody of Let It Be. By the Beatles. But it's called "Letter Right. And it's all about the B.
2: Oh my god! It's
1: a mate. It's it's what I heard. Uh, small sidetrack. I I heard that song on Sesame Street before I ever heard the Beatles song, and it took me decades to hear "Let It Be," and for my brain to not think of the Sesame Street "Let Her Be" parody.
2: Oh no! <laughs> no, it's great. I I don't mind at all. It's because it's just hilarious. That's kind of like how. Uh... Another sidetrack. Uh, Go for it. I I learned um, the days of the week song, but it's the Adams, the Adams family days, days, of, of, the days of the week. Days,
0: days of, of the week.
2: week. Yeah, but yeah. now that I know, uh, <laughs> like the actual the Adams, Adams family, family yeah. song, I'm like, no, that's not it. Days They're not the Monday, week. Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday for. But there is a Wednesday. There is a Wednesday. There is a Wednesday. Adams. It works. Yeah, that's the
1: overlap. Anyway. We didn't watch The Adams Family, we didn't learn of the days of the week, and we did not uh, set out to pitch a new movie to a streaming service. Instead, we watched the 1992 independent action film El Mariachi, in which a traveling mariachi is mistaken for a murderous criminal and must avoid the gang that is trying to kill him. This movie stars... Carlos Gallardo as the mariachi, Consuelo Gomez as Domino, Jaime de Hoyos as Bigoton, and Peter Marquard as Mauricio. Uh, also, Tito Tortuga as La Tortuga.
2: I was gonna call you out because I don't want you to miss yeah, that Yeah, I know. One.
1: I almost did.
2: The star of the, <laughs> the film. The star of
1: the movie. Uh, this film was written, directed, edited, and produced by Robert Rodriguez, who made this film for a grand total of seven thousand nineteen nineties dollars, most of which was spent on film stock and film processing. I read a piece of trivia trivia that said he thinks he could have had he not had to pay for film stock and processing, he believes he could have made this movie for six hundred dollars. Uh, like he
2: has all the math and everything. Well, I
1: mean, he—I'm sure he kn- had a budget, and he knows exactly how much he spent on on film, and uh, which basically I think means nobody got paid. <laughs> like, I don't know they, if they all
2: went out to dinner. I don't like, know if
1: uh, he he paid his crew on the back end, you know, with whatever. But uh, yeah, I—I I mean, that's all just trivia too from IMDb.
2: That's cool though, because this movie is is fun because it's fun to look at how movies are made. You can kind of see it, right? Yeah, it's it's an indie movie, so like the the rough strokes, like the thumbprints of whoever sculpted this movie, are still on. Are it. still on it? Yeah, it's it's it's
1: rough, but in a charming way.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think I, I yeah. shouldn't start out with that because then it sounds negative. There's no but... avoiding
1: talking about. It. That's uh, that's sort of the lore of this movie is that, holy shit, look what this guy made for almost no money. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, it's this and, like, The Blair Witch Project. These are movies that are famous because they are, they, they not only struck a chord with audiences, they are good and have held up over time, despite being and looking cheap, being made on a budget, and then turning around and being insanely successful. It's... Um, uh, uh, Clerks, I would say, is another one, though that did he uh, Kevin Smith did spend more on that. I mean, quite a bit more than the seven thousand dollars that this cost. Kevin Smith, Uh, but he wasn't Kevin Smith at the time. Clerks was like his breakout. There was a big kind of indie movie boom in the nineties, where I think this being early nineties had a lot to do with people realizing, like, oh, I. I could do this. People who wanted to make movies but weren't in the studio system realizing like, oh, it is possible to do this on
2: on your own. Right. And these movies show that as long as you have a compelling story, uh, like people will overlook the the cheapness of it.
1: We're cutting right to it. I I have a, a question in the show doc. Um what sets this apart from other low-budget movies, and why do we laugh at some cheap movies, but we hold others up high? And I think you just nailed it.
2: Alright, well that's our show, guys. Okay, so I'll uh, awesome be back one. next week. Uh, Alright. Uh, but yeah, that is that is what I think sets this movie apart. Because I think this is unlike any movie that I've ever seen, really. like It, it doesn't feel like and i've seen other indie movies and i we good watched, bad we watched evil dead exactly uh, j- just a couple months ago you know the evil dead i <laughs> does not cannot lay a finger on this movie um i think this movie is just and it depends on what you're into but i feel like this movie is so much fun to watch it is in addition to all that other stuff that it makes it better than the evil dead for me.
1: I will I will say that what makes this movie good is the same things that make the evil dead good. And mind I am not a I was not the biggest fan of the evil dead, but when the evil dead was doing something right, um it was doing something really right. Like mm-hmm. it would make a compelling scene. It could build tension. It had a couple great character moments. It was fairly well written. It wasn't executed in the greatest way. El Mariachi, I think, had all of that, and it ran throughout almost the entire movie. Like, whatever right. whatever budget shortcuts they made, whatever, you know, a guy, we, we commented on it while we're watching, the guy gets shot, and he falls, and there's blood on his shirt, around the bullet hole in his shirt but there's no blood under his shirt right like it's just you skin. can see clean skin underneath it like it that it just is that level of of cheap but it doesn't matter because even within that very cheap looking action scene there is tension he's waiting behind the truck with the guitar case you know mm-hmm. for the guy to come around the corner there's all of these moving parts and I think uh I think it's just cut together so well that it always keeps moving and it always keeps building the tension
2: yeah i mean i i would say some of the action scenes in here are like like seriously like uh, on the level of like i don't know like fast and furious of in that it creates like this tension that is then i would say it's Bringing I, I, you to the next scene. I would
1: put this as, and I'm not a Fast and Furious, I've seen bits and pieces of a couple Fast and Furious movies. It was a bad example. No, but no, same. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I think it's a good example to bring up because those are the biggest action movies outside of, like, the MCU. That has to be, like, the highest grossing action franchise, right? I think so. I mean. We're on, what, nine, ten movies? I don't know. People love them. People go to see them. But from what I've seen of action scenes, and I'll hold this to the MCU too, um, I think these action scenes actually are better at building tension and at being compelling to watch than these big budget action movies that tend to just sort of, we're blowing things up, we're just randomly firing guns. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, I When I watch an MCU, huge scale fight scene. A huge battle. I feel almost nothing. I It is just a sensory overload. It's like a Michael Bay Transformers thing.
2: Right, because you can't focus on anything. The, you're there's not focused
1: much. on any single character. They're, these characters are just plugged into a big CGI battle. So, there's no investment in anything that's going on. There's just too much. This is small scale. It's focused on the mariachi running around and The crazy aviator sunglasses uh, uh, are gangsters. Mexican gangsters that are running around. And it's cutting back and forth between them. It's edited in this really, really fun way. He's swinging in front of school buses in a stunt that looks cheap. I'm going to just say it. It looks cheap. Because it is. They could only do it once. And they could only get it from that one angle. But I'm more invested in that stunt in that indie movie looking stunt than I am in in, you know the end battle of uh of uh Infinity Gauntlet you know what I mean like Infinity
2: War uh we've got a fake fan on aisle three you know what I'm
1: saying yes I Uh, uh there's there's just so much I have so much more investment in this character and what's going on in this so I think I think Fast and Furious is a great example because it's just showing like Money doesn't equal
2: a compelling sequence. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think one of the best scenes in this movie is probably um, the scene where... So there's the mariachi guy, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the gangster who just has an empty guitar case full of weapons. Full of guns. Right. Right. Uh, And the scene where they've switched them unintentionally... And then the gangster is stopped by the other gang. Yeah. Like, yeah, that there's like real tension to that. And it felt so cool. I was, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was fully invested in this middle school looking production. And (laughs) I, I was like, who's going to die? What's going to happen? It was so good. Because they never
1: show you that the cases are like, that's, Mm -hmm. I love that so much because he comes in, they show him putting his case down. Uh, and then like the gangster comes in and they don't show like the cases next to each other on the, you just Mm -hmm. have to remember, oh yeah, the mariachi put his case down there.
2: Right. You put it together. And
1: then like, as it's going, as it's unfolding, you're putting it together. You know exactly where it's going to go, but it's still great to watch it unfold. Right. You're still invested in it. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a great example. the, The switched guitar cases, because I mean, it just trips off everything.
2: And even they, they never show, um, because the, the gangsters open up his guitar case to reveal that it's actually a guitar guitar. and, oh, this is not who we're after. Um, but they never show the guitar. They, they just show opening the case. Right. So you kind of are left, uh, and they never show
1: the mariachi finding the guns, in the case, you know what I mean. Like in the bar, it's the same thing. He yeah. opens up his case. He's like, "Who else was in here?" And then he goes out looking for him. Yeah, it's a it's a great, um, it's a great way. And I think that's where this movie is just this movie is just well written. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's. I think where it all works the best is on the page, and then it's executed. As well as he could with his limited resources, you know what I mean right which is still pretty good and um but I think that's the 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 gist of it is Robert Rodriguez is capable of writing a really compelling story that's a lot of fun that has comedy in it mm-hmm. despite being really dark
2: and it really is like as as well written as it is it's such a simple story it is. Like it's just a switcheroo.
1: It's a mistaken identity right. uh, story. Yeah.
2: And like maybe if you want to add that it's a romance. Like it's but those are really like the only elements to the plot. It's there. the
1: parent trap if it took place in the context of Mexican drug cartels. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the guitars see each other and they're like, Wait, what? You look just like me. Um, yeah, it's uh It's, it's, I don't know. I don't want to just sit here and go, oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. I want to talk about what makes this movie work. And I mean, I think, I think we get it from the very beginning. There's this real, um, I think the editing helps give it some style. Like there's some real like Robert Rodriguez shit in this movie.
2: I I, I can tell what you mean by that because there's some weird stuff in this movie that no one else would do. And so I'm like, okay, that must be the, like, the right. like when uh, the mariachi is trying to get a job, and he goes to a bar, and he asks if they need a mariachi, and they go, "We have a mariachi," the and guy. then they show a keyboard guy. <laughs> um, but he runs, he sets up his thing, uh, and then he plays using like four keys. Yeah, but uh, the way they show it is this really quick weird sped up shot yeah uh and it's just no one else would do that it's like it's it's very cartoonish i i can't tell if it was like playing around with like let's just see how we can edit this thing or if it was like well i'm just gonna speed it up to show like that he's doing this fast i i don't know i feel like there's an element of it just being
1: sort of Cartoonish and and sort of uh Looney Tunes ish. You know what I mean? Like slapstick. There, yes, there is an element of of this movie where I can see the mariachi is almost a Bugs Bunny kind of character who is like screwing up this gang war, right? Uh, like, but he doesn't even really mean to be. He's just being himself and kind of messing up like this wrench in the works. Because there's that. There's the hotel guy. Who as soon as he leaves, he grabs a phone and dials the drug dealer. Yes. And he does that really fast too. Like that's a sped up thing. There's this and it's like a weird comedy beat that almost doesn't fit the rest of the movie, but somehow still does. It doesn't feel out of place.
2: Right. And there's sound effects too, aren't there, when it speeds up, or there's something? Uh, there's
1: something, yeah, there's a there's some weird effects, I think, uh uh put in place. I would have to watch
2: it again i don't remember right but it, it gets like the broad strokes but out yeah while still being like weirdly entertaining
1: yeah there's that edit and then the other edits i'm talking about are like um like there's a lot of like gun porn in this movie like there's a lot of like taking the guns out in like six shots of a guy like you know cranking the shotgun and sure. you know like cut from different angles I I read I read a lot of trivia and it's all IMDb trivia uh so take it with a grain of salt but I did read that like a lot of those cuts were from if they screwed something up and he didn't want to reshoot the whole shot he would just do the action from a different angle and cut it together and that's where Until a lot of perfect Yeah. so he didn't have to waste film because film is crazy expensive right huh but I thought that was really interesting because then it's like that kind of gave him a style that he carries forward in a lot of his other movies where it, it is a lot of just cool looking gunshots. You know what I mean? And right. but like, and
2: looking from other angles. And yeah, stuff.
1: The, the quick cuts. Anytime there's a, an action like they're coming into the jail, it's cutting to the guys coming in. It's cutting to the guys in the cell. It's cutting to mm-hmm. the guys waking up. It's cutting to the guy getting the gun. You know, like, all of that stuff. And that really, I think, is part of why this movie executes so well. Not just because it looks cool, but it brings you into the action. It gets you... Oh, there's a lot of stuff happening. Bring me... You know... Right. It's a great editing style that I think suits the story he was telling.
2: It's like... um what is that effect where you like zoom in and out at the same time? It's like in Jaws. The the, the
1: yeah I there's always there's a
2: term for the dolly yeah, or whatever. Like the
1: the pan.
2: It's a something pan.
1: Um, I don't know what it's called, but yes, it's essentially uh, the it, background. It zooms in. The they zoom in the lens as they dolly away, or right. vice versa. So
2: the, your focus stays, but your background right. moves forward. You, you kind of
1: zoom in on on uh, the face, or or the face goes away while the background comes forward. Right. It's a weird. Uh,
2: it's almost like moving two different planes
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in the shot. Yeah, and it's. The thing about that is, it's basically doing the same thing as these quick, like, sped up shots. Yes. In that it is. It drags a, you in. It drags you in, but it's also, like, upfront about it. Because there are shots that will, like, slowly zoom in and bring you in that way. But this is, like, a. We're going to tell you what we're doing. Right. And kind of be in your face about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they have any delusions about what they're doing. Like this this movie, like Robert Rodriguez, I think is a really, really interesting filmmaker. Um mm-hmm. because he does everything so stylized and he's for lack of a better word, he's shameless about it. He everything he makes is over the top. Uh mm-hmm. from dusk till dawn. You know, the the strip bar they go to is called the titty twister. It's there's nothing subtle in a Robert Rodriguez movie. You know? It is, it is the shotgun to the face, but he does it with such a style that it's fun. It's like Quentin Tarantino. It's why him and Tarantino are buddies, because I think their directing sensibilities are so similar. They are making a lot of, they have a lot of overlap in, in their style and the way they want to do things. They're like, yes, nobody talks like this but my people talk like this in my movie. Right. And and you can either buy in and come on this fun ass ride with me or sit it out and, you know,
2: watch something else.
1: Yeah, go go but it's yeah. it's uh and I th- I think so much of it is born in this movie. Whether he did it out of necessity or he just kind of came in with that vision of quick cuts
2: about it right Um, i whether or not i i think there definitely was vision there like there's no question because like i feel like there's not a single shot in this movie that doesn't serve purpose and that's another reason why it stands out even though its quality is not as good is because like everything that he put in every shot is in here for a reason. Nothing's and he's wasted. Thought it out yeah. and it all flows together.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's uh you see that a lot in independent movies because every shot is expensive.
2: Right. You're you're blocking out to the max so of your ability it is, so nothing can go wrong. It
1: is like you have to you have to know what you're doing going into that shot. You have to know. What you're after. And I think that is uh, partly so he didn't have to hire somebody. He was the camera operator. He was the cinematographer. He was all of these things. Um, He said he did not have storyboards because he didn't have any crew to show the storyboards to. It didn't matter. Right. It's all in his head. He knew what he wanted in his head. And that's what he went forward with. But... um, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting he has a book called uh Rebel Without a Crew that is about the making of this movie. I've never read it, but I've always intended to. It's one of those like right. I should get that book and read it. And uh my buddy Javier Hernandez, uh a, like a week ago, posted that he just rewatched this movie and is rereading uh the Rodriguez book. Perfect timing. Um, but it is about how he made this movie basically on his credit cards you know and and made it without a crew and all of this if you look in the imdb credits the lead actor the guy who plays the mariachi is also listed as a producer and as a uh uh grip like he he, he right. did all of these different as a i think he worked in like stunt coordinator uh in set design like everybody sort of did their own did multiple it, shit. It, on it
2: reminds me of like high school drama club, because that's the kind of things that you do is okay. You're going to play three parts in different wigs. Right. And <laughs> right. <laughs> you're going to be the lead. And also the stage hand somehow, like I, they do weird things where they combine roles to make it happen.
1: It's, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of, uh, whatever it takes to get it done kind of thing. hmm um how many other robert rodriguez movies do you think you've
2: seen this is my first one uh have you seen any spy kids movies god damn it okay so i have seen right Rod- <laughs> mm-hmm. i have seen his movies i know about the production of this spy kids movies I did not know they were by him.
1: Yes, uh, uh, th- that's part of. I think what's interesting about Robert Rodriguez is at times where he was able to do anything, he decided he was going to make movies for his kids, and he made those spy kids
2: movies. He <laughs> like, also got a bunch of really famous people to yes, star in them he did. <laughs> because he just knew them and they wanted to do it.
1: Because uh, yeah, um, he also did a episode of The Mandalorian. Did he now?
2: He did. Which
1: one? Uh, let me see. Season six, episode of the second season, the tragedy. Wait, um, the Mandalorian? Yeah.
2: Season six.
1: No, episode six, season. Two. Oh,
2: oh, okay.
1: The tragedy. Uh, the temple on top of the mountain.
2: Oh, that's when Baby Groot gets kidnapped. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, he directed that one. Interesting cuz that's that's actually really surprising cuz that's like finding out that Edgar Wright directed like a completely normal looking episode of Scooby Doo. Like yeah. that is something that fits in with the style of everything. But that's what TV going is. Going around it. Right. TV
1: you can't break. You can't break form. You have to come in and play by the It is like Edgar Wright why why the Ant-Man thing fell apart. Like, mm-hmm. you can't come in with your own style. It has to fit everything we're doing here.
2: Yeah, it, it's just weird to hear that this director would work on TV where you have to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just because he's so stylized, like you were saying. Like I he's... think The Mandalorian brings a lot of people in. There's, uh... There's Taika Waititi. He Taika did. Waititi? Yeah.
1: He did, the, like, the best episode, right? The sure. one where they find
2: uh, Ahsoka... Is that the. Ah, see, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't, he did one in season one, too. Okay. This is going to be our Mandalorian episode, yeah, too. Yeah. We're just going to uh, group it in together.
1: Anyway, yeah. I mean, Spy Kids uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Um,. Uh, Desperado. Yeah, we have the rest of this trilogy. This is kicking off our fourth trilogy, by the way. We didn't say that. This is the Mariachi trilogy. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: They'll never know.
1: Uh, Sin City. He made the Sin City movies. Uh, Machete with, um, Danny Trejo. And, uh, that spun out of Planet Terror. If you've not seen Planet Terror, I cannot recommend it enough. It is so much fun. You
2: cannot recommend it enough, but you've never mentioned it before i've never know. mentioned you, you it might you might have maybe okay. uh planet but terror I have not heard of that uh uh
1: is part of the grindhouse movies him and tarantino each made an intentional b movie they made like a like uh, like purposely bad like a like a purposely like this is something you would see at the drive-in they used to make like the double feature at a drive-in or at like a, a grindhouse movie theater was like here's here's the the real movie mm-hmm. and then here's the cheap movie after it that's the second movie we got you for you you know right so it would be like an exploitation movie or you know like um like a cheap horror movie and planet terror is like a a zombie movie there's a big chunk of the middle of the movie that's missing because those theaters used to like put the reels out of order or be missing one. So there would just be, so he did that. He made the movie to be missing uh, uh, this big chunk. It's, it's, it's brilliant how accurate. So meta, but it's great. It's, and it's so much fun and it's very self-aware. Josh Brolin's in it. Michael bean. It's uh, uh, Rose McGowan. She has a machine gun on her leg. Uh, for a leg. It's uh, it's it's just amazing. Uh, and it's so much fun. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, Rodriguez being, like, crazy, crazy over the top. But he is in complete control of what he's doing. Right. Like, the more budgets he got, he didn't get, like... You ever see somebody who comes out with a movie, like an independent movie, and it's really raw. And then they start getting budget. And they, they play it safer and safer and safer as they go. Like, sure. Like... I feel like Robert Rodriguez does exactly the opposite, where he just is like, okay, I'm going to take this way out in left field now, and and just see what he does. And I think it all started with what he was doing here, and knowing that he could, if he lost his funding, he could still make the movies that he wanted to make, in right. some way, shape, or form.
2: And that's what's funny. I'm bringing it back to Spy Kids, because all right. <laughs> I...
1: I have never seen a Spy Kids movie, I... I don't... You guys watch them. I don't think I ever sat down and watched one,
2: but... That's okay. They're completely nonsensical. Um, (laughs) They really are a fever dream. There's, like... You know how, like, Gru in Despicable Me has the minions? Uh Well, like, the the bad guy in this has, like, a bunch of thumb people. Like, they're just thumbs that are the size of a six-foot person. That's great. And they walk around with thumb heads. But anyway, like, that... (laughs) Those movies are like this movie in the way that they're cheap. You can see how they were made because it's like all like green
1: screen shit, right? So
2: poorly yeah. made. So poorly made. Uh, and, but again, kids. Kids love found them. Found themselves loving They made this. like four or five I, of them. Yeah, yeah. I, they just made a new one. I, and um. studios never stop. The, the
1: Shark Boy, Shark Boy and Lava Girl Boy like and Lava came Girl. out of that, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like its own franchise. It really is, and it's all based off this weird, wacky style.
1: Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um I I, I lost I, my I, I lost my train of thought. You lost me at Spy Kids because I, 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 I know can't know follow you there, but um but yeah, I think I think that you have to respect a filmmaker who like Sam Raimi. I mean, I I think there's a lot of Sam Raimi comparisons because both of these filmmakers came from uh came from independent places where they were making their own movies without studio assistance. You know what I mean? Like Right. Uh, Evil Dead is 100%. I don't know what he spent on that movie. I don't know what the budget for Evil Dead was. But look at it. It's cheap
2: as shit. Like, he used his car, his friends, right. and probably a place he owned or someone owned. It, like, exactly. That's it. It is, it is uh,
1: uh, uh, very much on the cheap. And I think Sam Raimi's an example of that. Of somebody who, the more embedded in the studio system he got, the safer he played it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, to the point where he made that weird Wizard of Oz prequel movie that nobody... Care Sam about. Raimi
2: made that. Yeah, that the uh, Oz movie, the
1: the one with James Franco. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, Tim Burton, I think, would be another one who's sort of like the more technology and money he got, I feel like the less imaginative his his movies became.
2: If 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 we're throwing in names, Steven Spielberg. Um, wait, is that what I'm? Who directed the uh, Player Ready Player One?
1: Yeah. Am I Spielberg. Thinking? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Spielberg still makes good stuff too. Yeah. Okay.
2: He yeah. he, he no. just makes a lot of bad I won't yeah, I won't
1: players. hang uh, uh uh his whole career out for Ready Player 1, but um
2: I think there's a few recently. I so, the more said, recent movies that I see his name attached to, I'm like, "What?"
1: Somebody said about Ready Player 1 when that came out, they're like, "Why would he agree to direct this?" And someone said, "Because he only probably had to direct about 30 minutes of the movie and the rest was all up to the CGI art. You know what I mean? Like right. he didn't have to, it wasn't like he had to be on set for six months.
2: <laughs> but, it's a quick, easy job. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, back to this movie. I think that all comes out here into like, this is what forms and a, a, kind of visionary independent director is having to do it by yourself. And um, speaking of of Kevin Smith, I think Clerks was a really raw movie. Like Clerks looks good. I think he got good, good cameras, good, you know, equipment. Um, But that was a movie he made with his friends. He sold his comic book collection to pay for a lot of that. Right. It was uh, back in the 90s when you could get money for comics.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, you won't ever understand that What's in your lifetime. What's co- a... Comic? <laughs>
1: yeah. Comic? What? You, you will never understand that these things once held value. Um, but, like, uh, yeah, the idea that that you can make a movie with your friends and that you can get your vision across. You can actually, like, it's not just... You need to...
2: No, that's fine.
1: It's not just that you can finish a project. It's that you can finish a project that you set out to communicate something. And it actually came across. These were the movies that I think were doing it in the 90s. Of all the independent movies, uh, Blair Witch, Clerks, and El Mariachi, I think these movies set out to accomplish a goal and to communicate a message, whatever it was. Uh, and they actually managed to do it. And that's why these directors like landed some careers that took them places right as we're sitting here talking about
2: i i mean look at i mean i feel like you wanted to see this in any other like person's first movie maybe that's a little naive but like uh the the running gag with um there's each bartender uh the gangster asks for a oh, drink yeah. and then they they will open a bottle and he, he wants it from the tap or the he, he other wa- he way He wants around. it in a glass,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so they'll uh, just drink or... uh No, he wants it in the bottle. That's it. They start pouring it in a glass. He goes, no, in a bottle. I want it in the bottle. So they'll just drink whatever they... they right. Pour. Yeah. But
2: the last person he does that to is the love interest of the movie. And she's a good bartender. So she knows how to serve a drink. right? And she knows to give him... Right. The glass. Or the bottle. The bottle, yeah. Right. I... I just thought that was like a clever, funny, little no, running joke. I mean,
1: that, that's, I think you're right. I think that is the point is that this movie has character moments. This movie has a a point of view. This movie has running jokes in it. This isn't a first time script. This may have been the first movie he made. I guarantee you this was not the first script he had written. This was right. not the first story he had told. Like, I know that he, at one point in his life, wanted to be a comic book artist. He probably drew comics. He knew how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I think that really comes across. Like we said, this, I, 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 I need to read a script of this because I'm sure it works, like, great on the page. Because it just is so fully realized in the way that it comes across.
2: I have nothing to add to that because it's all
1: correct. What do you think about um, the actors' performances? Because these are a lot of his friends and a lot of amateur actors. Some of these... Right. uh, I think the mariachi, he has, I think I saw about 20 acting credits. Uh, The woman who played Domino, uh, this, and uh, Desperado. Two two credits. Two credits. And she's not even the love interest. I think it might just be a flashback in... In Desperado.
2: Interesting. I I don't think the acting in this movie was bad. I don't think it was great. One of the things that I like is that... Uh, like, when there's no famous people in a movie and you're like, Oh, that's Kevin Smith. Right. Like... Right. Or whoever it is. But, like, you see them and you recognize them. And it breaks the immersion. There's none of that here. Right. And... I feel like the story, like, doesn't really call for, like, super complex, like, character acting, uh, and I think they all did, like, a really good job. A really passable playing job. Playing yeah. their role. I, I think a few of the smaller roles, uh, if I had to call out someone, maybe, like, the hotel in guy, like, yeah. was a little overacting, there were a few of those, but, like, I, I, I didn't notice anything about acting. I was just kind of like, yeah, this is people pretending and they're doing a pretty good job. And it helps I'm...
1: that it was in Spanish too.
2: And like, we don't
1: know if they were like stressing the wrong, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, but no, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, like you said about the uh, not having famous people in it mm-hmm. and that helping. I think also the fact that these are all they look like real people. They're not like insanely, like unhumanly gorgeous people. You know, you know what I mean. Like, I hate that in movies. The, it's the worst. Well, get thing. ready because it's Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek in uh, in the sequel. Uh, <laughs> the, the two, but uh, but no, it, like these are all like attractive people mm-hmm. in a in a real person way. Like this isn't a like domino is an attractive woman that you would run into at 711. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. like this is a woman who exists in the world. Uh and and I think I think it is like that this idea of like let's cast like regular people because yes, it's budget constraints clearly. But like it's good to have it's I was actually really surprised at the caliber of of people in this movie being a bunch of non-actors. Who looked good on camera and could deliver lines and could could commit to whatever actions. There was some silly stuff like the 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 girls in the bed who kept jumping up with guns and like you know breaking character because they oh, you, you yeah. know what I mean? Like stuff like that, but like the the gangster, they keep lighting the match. The the drug lord keeps lighting the match mm-hmm. on him or on his head or whatever and you know they that played really well and then at the end he got his moment to do it back, it back. To him, right? and i'm like that's good it all played really well nobody nobody like broke everybody everybody had like one job to do these are one note characters and everybody was able to i think pull it off really well for an indie film
2: yeah i i think everyone came together and just did their best
1: yeah and their best was actually pretty good at the yeah. end of the day, I th- I think this came off really well,
2: and I bet uh, part of that money he saved uh, was no wardrobe for this film. Yeah, just, just show up in what you're wearing. Everybody that's wore their character. own
1: clothes. Uh, uh, famously, like uh, that was part of the Halloween production, the original John Carpenter Halloween.
2: Really, everybody had
1: to have their own clothes. There was like relatively no money for that movie as well.
2: I think that's kind of cool. But I think I think that's what's cool about indie filmmaking, man. Well, that's that thing about uh, like movies being so polished. Like, I hate when what you're at the beach and you have a full face of makeup on, like right. Or oh, you're singing in this quiet, soft moment where everyone realizes you have a good voice, but it's like <laughs> just a robot voice. Like, yeah, yeah. no, you're like, auto-tuned. Really, <laughs> yeah. That's really my thing. Right. Is like. If there's singing and it's a sweet moment, you have to have real singing in your yeah. movie or whatever. I'm not buying.
1: It. People wake up in the morning, their hair is combed, oh my their god, ma- makeup's on. Like what? They they pull the covers <laughs> off and they're wearing jeans. <laughs> yeah, they're all dressed. They got a suit on. Yeah, no, I think I think this is the attraction to indie film in general is is the the grittiness of it, the imperfection of it. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's, I don't know if fun is the right word, but it's, uh, there is more of an immersion, I think. hmm
2: Uh, I keep thinking of Wes Anderson right now, because Wes Anderson, I found out a fun trivia fact, um, the animatronics that he uses, or not animatronics, uh, like the claymation, The stop right? motion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, like isle of dogs mm-hmm. the reason that their fur is always moving and every shot like it's windy is because he used real fur specifically so that it would show the imprints the... of the people setting it yeah. up and like everyone was like no that's a bad idea everyone's gonna see that and like with fake fur you can have it all nice and perfect and he's like no i don't want right that. And it's like that thing of the imperfections that make a movie beautiful. He
1: also uh, recorded all the sound, like, outside. They would, like, he would do outside the... Outside instead vo- of in his studio? Yeah, the voice actors would be, like, almost like an on-location kind of thing where they would go out there with the a boom mic and George Clooney would, like, read his lines and whatever.
2: That's so cool.
1: Um, this movie was completely dubbed as well. I remember, I remember, um, reading about El Mariachi in the newspaper when it came out. Cause this movie, made he, headlines. He, people were talking about it. it there was a, a special article in like the Sunday magazine of the Tribune one week. And I was like, I had never heard of Robert Rodriguez or this movie. It wasn't going to play anywhere in, near where I grew up. So I didn't see this movie for a couple of years, but it was a story about this guy who made a movie for seven grand. He shot it on a camera that didn't have a microphone. He had no sound equipment. Uh, they had to redub the whole movie afterwards, um, and then
2: I see if I know that now and I watch it, I'm gonna notice it, and it's right. gonna bug me. No, it won't. No, okay. no, because
1: it all falls together, and it, it, it just looks. It just comes out, look, I mean, so much of every movie is adr afterwards. Like, there's something like 75% of a movie's sound is added after the fact. Sure. Something like that. And a lot of that is people redubbing their lines and stuff like that. Things that didn't quite come across clear enough. Okay. Re- they'll do do stuff like that. But yeah, that, and then um, I did read in the trivia that, like, they did an uh, English dub. And he said that cost him... More than the entire rest of the entire production of the movie. An English
2: dub like he paid for that or the actors did it? No,
1: somebody paid to have to have uh, to have an English language dub for the American market. Because this movie, he uh, I think he he wanted to sell it to like the Mexican home video market. Mm -hmm. And that was going to fund his real first movie. But then it, this movie kind of, like, accidentally took off. Like, it was better than, than the Mexican home video market.
2: That's so, really cool, though.
1: Yeah. Like, no, it is cool. So it's a great movie. It. And uh, the reason I bring up reading that article about it is because it was, at a time, I was uh, 1992, I was, like, 16, uh, 17. Um, But, like, that was really inspiring to me, that... It was, you know, I didn't go out and make a film, but the idea that you could, like you said, this is what I think the 90s, the 90s indie film boom was all about, was people discovering that you could scrape together a few thousand dollars and you could make a film. Even if it was a short film, you could make something. It was conceivable to do it. Right. And, you know, I think we live in a time now where it's easier than ever. You don't have to buy film.
2: I look look at all the iPhone advertising that was like this movie was shot on this yeah. iPhone like whatever like people are making you can do it home yeah. videos that are like quality level
1: you you uh, and even it, it's I think more affordable to buy an actual movie camera if you wanted to it's still expensive yeah but it's more attainable than it was 30 years ago
2: you know what i mean and there's plus uh really with the digital digitalization of film like and you don't have to pay for actual film like that makes it way cheaper
1: you can do take after take after take if you want right and and you know it doesn't matter
2: i mean today if robert rodriguez wanted to make this movie he could like film it all on tiktok like you could yeah i wouldn't watch why
1: why you would do that but yeah um but yeah, I think uh Yeah, I think we come out on on the uh, thumbs up side of this movie.
2: Oh no, I've hated
1: it. You didn't oh, get that from oh, anything I said. Uh, you're just like, no, no, I respect what he did. Horrible movie.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, he's talented, but I despised every second of <laughs> this that. Was, this was terrible.
1: I really loved revisiting this movie. I had not seen it in a long time. Um and I, I really
2: just, I had a really, really good time with it. Yeah, I, I think this is my first time. This is your second time watching. No, I've
1: seen it a couple of times, um, but it's been a, it's been a long time since I watched it.
2: I, this was a very fun watch, and I'm gonna watch it again. Yeah, at some point.
1: I, th- I think I am too. I had the option to rent or buy it on iTunes, and I. Should I should have bought? It. I should have just bought it because I'm like I am gonna totally watch this movie again. I thought it would be, I thought it would come across more like this is a novelty of the indie film past. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. Like kind of you like watch how, it as a, a almost like a historical document of of film history.
2: Well, that's kind of where we came out on uh, the Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Yeah, right. It's it's this really interesting making of, but right. You see a where a filmmaker bit, comes
1: from. Right. But you don't. A little
2: don't, bit of a chore to watch through. Right.
1: Like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to watch this again. And I kind of was like, I haven't watched. I don't know how this has aged. This might be really interesting to watch, but I don't know how often I would revisit it. And now I am like, yeah, I think I'm going to go find like a, see if I can find a, I don't know if it's on Blu-ray. But see if I can find something with like some special features on it and stuff and and just, yeah. you know. Get Maybe into, a whole
2: trilogy, like box set. I'm sure there is I'm sure
1: there is a mariachi box set out there. Um but uh yeah, no, I really 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 had fun. I'm really glad I picked this for for our fourth trilogy because um I had a blast watching this. I think I think this is a really well-made movie. A surprisingly well-made movie that's held up surprisingly well.
2: I am too. I'm I'm shocked at how much I liked it. Yeah. Um and I also there's two more I that's so confusing to me because I'm like this is enough, <laughs> like I I can take is. this yeah uh, you know it ends on a like this is the beginning of his story and he's gonna be a drug lord now not a drug lord but like a he's a, a gangster he, he's guess. yeah
1: he's a little bit like a what writer um this it's a little bit like what he was mistaken for this whole time of like. Everybody thought he was this badass assassin. And by the end of the movie, that's sort of what he's become. It's right. like them thinking he was that made him that instead of the mariachi. Now he doesn't have a hand, you know, which doesn't factor into the other movie. Spoiler alert. But um, uh,
2: you mean he doesn't get a chainsaw?
1: Uh, We're going <laughs> to... <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into uh more similarities to Evil Dead, I think, as we go forward. I in terms of like what does and doesn't matter from this movie Sure moving forward.
2: That is I will say I am anxious about the move to the second movie because I think it's just gonna be a very different like you said it there's is. a different main actor. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. He had he got he got money. I mean
1: this this became this this was essentially his ticket into Hollywood. This Mm -hmm. was essentially his resume that got him an office in Hollywood and Hollywood money.
2: Right. Okay.
1: Now I'm gonna cast real actors. Now I have real budgets. Now I have uh better like a lot of the guns in this movie are water guns, and the real guns they had to borrow from the police department. And uh, uh, that was another piece of trivia. They were set up for blanks, but because they're not Hollywood guns, they couldn't block the barrel, so they could only fire one thing at a time.
2: My gosh!
1: One, so they had to they had to cut away. They would show them firing, and like you'd get the muzzle burst, and then it would immediately cut away, and the machine gun sound would come in because it could only fire like the one shot to get the muzzle flash, <laughs> like.
2: It's funny how you don't notice that though no because watching. it's just cut
1: together professionally and it looks good it, right. it was
2: done out of necessity, but it it looks really really good i am I am hoping that the spirit of the story is continued and that that like I'm hoping that the scripts of these three movies read and flow cohesively. Because I know the production value of them isn't, and I know it's going to mess with me. Okay. I don't like recastings of characters. I don't like... Like... Oh, you're going in negative already. But... I'm just saying (laughs) I love this movie so much, I'm afraid of the future.
1: It is... Robert Rodriguez has a distinctive uh, storytelling style, both in writing and... In his directing style, and okay. you know he's behind these movies, so all I can tell you is you're getting a, you're getting the same director, it's just more money. It's gonna look slicker. It's that's a lot of what the difference is. Sure, but the I I do believe, and it's been a long time since I've watched the other two movies in this trilogy too. I do believe the the spirit and the actual like tone the Robert Rodriguez tone carries throughout. We're going to see. Okay. I may get to the end and go whoa. Oh, my neck hurts from the whiplash of uh of Johnny Depp in that third movie. And then I'll have but, to just
2: edit together those clips of you. It'll work out fine it, and um, then
1: Yeah, I may eat crow by the end of this, but yeah,
2: it's um Yeah. Let's give it a shot. Let's see what. Let's see I'm, where we come out. I'm not saying the movie's gonna be bad. I'm. I, I get what I'm, you're saying. I'm gonna try to go in optimistic. I mean,
1: look at Evil Evil Dead again. Look at the the varying quality between each. You know, each movie. Sure. He got a little more money. Each movie, he got a little better effects. He got a little different tone. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little tweak on everyone. And those movies aren't cohesive at all. But somehow. It's a trilogy. Somehow. You know, uh, wherever... uh, Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I'm revisiting these. It's been a long time. I bet it's been since uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico came out whenever... it Probably at least 10 years ago. And that's probably the last time I watched any of these movies. Hmm. So, I'm revisiting this too. And I'm really curious to see how how well these movies link together as well. Um, I guess
2: we'll have to see.
1: So it's, I, I'm looking forward to it. I had so much fun with this one. And I do remember, I used to watch Desperado quite a bit. And Desperado is a really fun movie. Um, It's just, it's a lot slicker. And Danny Trejo.
2: I don't know who that is. Yeah, you do. I'm sure I do.
1: Yeah.
2: Everybody knows.
1: Look him up. Everybody knows Danny Trejo. Let's close this out uh, before we just talk forever. Let's go to shout outs. What do you got this week? All right.
2: uh, this week I am shouting out a TikTok channel. It is called Joel Cassette Music. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Joel. C-O-S-S-E-T-T-E. Yes. It'll be in the description. But um, Joel is a musician uh, and his channel's a lot of, he calls himself Emo Pop. Um, and he's got a lot of covers and a few originals and also he has a series of a few videos where he, um, writes songs with his daughter that are very silly and very (laughs) cute and just a whole lot of fun and that's how I found him and then I found that he has like these other really good videos, uh, where he just sings and it's, it sounds really nice. Uh. So that's Joel. He deserves for you to go check him out. He deserves it, huh? He deserves my attention? He deserves your attention. But come back for me, because I want more attention. Oh, I've seen this uh, guy before.
1: Have you? Yeah, he's come across my feed. Good. I I, I get a lot of music stuff, so... Um, he he
2: probably uh because i follow you he probably showed up it, on my tiktok it, 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 there's as a all, you uh,
1: there's all kinds of weird algorithm connections where like uh your mom and i will see the same video like a day apart
2: yeah yeah <laughs> so, um, but that's joel uh joel you... cosette music cool it's exciting uh what do you got
1: I got a company that is a little different from what I usually shout out, but I shouted them out on Twitter the other day, and I want to do it here, uh, because I've liked this product for a long time, and I like what they stand for. This is Dave's Killer Bread. Uh, Dave's is a, uh, they were a smaller bread company. Uh, they make really great, like, whole grain bread. I like every like
2: loaves of bread? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: like bag yeah. bread. It's in the grocery store. It's getting easier and easier to find. I think they're getting in more and more markets. Uh, but it's just really, like, good uh, uh, bread. And um, first and foremost, that is what I like about them. I think they have a great product. But the other thing that I love about them, almost as much as I love eating bread... Is that they murder people. They, <laughs> they are. Uh, speaking of crime they are a second chance employer and that is part of their business philosophy they do hire ex felons they do hire ex addicts they hire people regardless of their past on their website they i think their mission statement is somewhere along the lines of we want to hire the best person for the job without considering past indiscret you know that means like mm-hmm. oh you would be the best person for the job but you have a felony on your record, and we don't hire. You know, like so many companies say that they don't discriminate, but we all know how that really works. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think the fact that uh, ex convicts have a hard time finding employment is why so many ex convicts go back to crime.
2: I and think, a lot of people have no sympathy it, for ex. It's exactly right. It's so it's 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 disheartening to see you brought this on yourself. Now help yourself up. But I'm not. I'm going to make it as hard but as I'm, possible. But I'm I'm going
1: to put up roadblocks anyway. Yeah. I love that this is a company that is growing and getting bigger and that this is part of their their statement and they really do it. They there are testimonials and people on their websites who are like I am, you know, a marketing director. I don't I'm just pulling that out. I'm not calling out anyone specific, but they will tell their story about this is where I was and uh I turned my life around and Dave's brad gave me a a chance so i I just think they're a great company i think they have a great business philosophy and i think they have a great product and they're actually doing something ethical which is something that we don't see near enough of in business in america
2: yes i i definitely like supporting businesses that it's a good product, but also, you know, I feel less guilty it's, for buying it. It's
1: a win-win for for uh, buying Dave's Killer Bread. So, I will have their website on, uh, on here, but really, just go to your grocery store and uh, buy their product. Support that company. On that note, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rood. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review
2: on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility. It helps us grow the show that's right another way to help us grow is to tell a friend now you have to be careful or an amigo yes Uh. to find your amigo you have to be careful there's a lot of lookalikes that's right and you're not gonna want to switch the message of don't (laughs) listen to the picture show yeah i was carrying my
1: microphone around in its case the other day and, uh, we almost couldn't record this episode because I got it mixed up.
2: Hang on, is that why we're recording, we're recording a gun? We're recording, we're speaking into a gun right now. <laughs> well, if anyone hears this, hi, you're magic. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you got inside that gun, but... <laughs> but I will find but
1: you. I will get you out of there. Um... Next week's movie, we are watching Desperado. We are watching the sequel to El Mariachi. Uh, I believe if you're listening to this as this comes out, I believe it is still on Netflix. So uh, Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico, both there. Please watch along with us. Rediscover these Robert Rodriguez gems with us. And do go watch, you'll have to rent it, Go watch El Mariachi. It's great. It's a really, really fun time. It's a really fun movie.
2: It is so worth it, even if you just buy it for a few bucks on like YouTube or something. Like, yeah. yeah. It is really fun to watch.
1: Check it out. This is an oddity that uh, uh, I think a lot of people um, is a blind spot for a lot of people. Because it doesn't hit streaming services. It doesn't circulate the way a lot of movies do these days. Right. Uh, but seek it out. I, th- I think this movie is really worth it. Aus, what's your social media?
2: I do have social media. I am on... That's not what you asked, but too late. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I uh, am on Twitter. Speaking to the gun, please. <laughs> okay. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Austin and Rude. And you can find me at Old Who Review. Nothing else. Don't look into that. Old Hue Review. That's it. Nothing else. Okay. Uh,
1: what are you... I am philrood.com. I'm also at philrood on Twitter, at philrood75 on Instagram. Boss, you want to read the credits?
2: Yep. We did it all ourselves, just like
1: Robert Rodriguez. That's right. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. (laughs) are like indie filmmakers aren't we oh
2: my gosh i think we're the greatest creators of all time probably
1: if that were true i would have thought of that gun bit way earlier in the show
2: yeah mm. well yeah that's why you've got me
0: sometimes getting a good night's sleep is not just hard to do but it's no fun either that's why the fine folks at Slumber Party Mattresses have invested the time and money to make every bedtime a better solution for somnolence. Whether you're dozing, napping, or snoozing, getting some shut-eye, or catching some Zs, Slumber Party has a scientifically enhanced mattress for you. Top options include the Catnapper, Forty Winks, the RE Steel, and the Eternal Rest. The last one can be converted to line your coffin. So even in the afterlife, you can sleep like there's no tomorrow. On top of that, each model is genetically modified to your specifically required repose. Never have another sleepless night and get a slumber party mattress today.